You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hey guys, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello. Today's episode, I'm really excited about, and I know I say that with every single episode, but this one I'm particularly excited about because basically we're going to be talking about insurance, right? That's something that I think a lot of people, when they think about quitting their nine to fives, they are terrified about, right? Oh, benefits, right? Life insurance, insurance in general regarding my health, like that's not an option outside of my employer. And I'm here to tell you it is. And so the guest that I'm having on today, he's not only changing the game when it comes to insurance, but he's making it so that you don't have to be tied to an employer anymore and you get to really set the rules yourself. His name is Yoga Shetty. He's the founder and CEO of Vibra, a mission-driven wellness platform that makes low and no-cost benefits accessible to everyone, regardless of their socioeconomic status. Shetty, despite growing up in the slums of Mumbai, rose through executive ranks in the U.S. to lead technological innovation at both J.P. Morgan Chase and New York Life. Shetty's deep understanding of finance and insurance, coupled with his empathetic heart, motivate him to give back to society daily by democratizing benefits in the U.S. So thank you so much for coming on, Yogesh. And thank you for doing the work that you do because it's so important. Thank you so much, uh, Gabby, first of all, for inviting me and giving this opportunity for us to share our, what I say is lessons learned and some of the wisdoms we have learned in the field. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course, my pleasure. So what is your story, right? I know that you kind of grew up in the slums of Mumbai. Like, how did you go from that to then being at J.P. Morgan Chase to like now building your own business? Like, why did you even take that path to begin with? Yeah, so uh, it's a very uncanny path I have taken, I think, in my life. So I, either you can call it as a destiny or a fate, whatever it is, but I was born in extreme poverty. So didn't have the basic necessities of life. That forced me at a very young age to be resourceful. That, that was the first thing. And second, I start looking out for opportunities in a way that we could come out of that situation I was in. I was very passionate, sort of, I was an A-plus student. So, of course, uh, we didn't have a financial backing that allowed me to pursue higher education. So I took a very secondary path. The secondary path was I started reading a lot of books. And during those times, it was late 90s when dot-com was a coming, uh, I would say, era in terms of the whole internet revolution. And I learned everything on my own and started working for a lot of startups company at that young age of, I would say, 15. And at the age of 17, I got a very big break in a startup company, which was more like a, a garage startup. And that allowed me to pretty much learn everything from the founders, you know, very hands-on, all about leadership, all about management, all about engineering. So as you can see, it was a, a very hands-on uh, experience for me without going to school. That's where I pretty much arose from a very junior person to a head of engineering. And that same company sort of sent me to U.S. to expand our presence. We grew from nine to thousand employees in India. So it was a very rapid expansion in a span of, I would say, six years. The same company sent me to U.S. I worked for J.P. Morgan. Then I joined Lehman. Then, of course, my last, uh, I would say, nine to five kind of a professional career was basically uh, with New York Life. Uh, where I spent almost eight years of my life. And it was one of the best experiences I could get because I get to learn insurance. I'm not an insurance guy. My background has always been investment, capital market. So insurance was a new domain. And then a span of three to four years, I pretty much learned everything about the insurance business. And that's where the whole benefit, right? The idea came in. 
one of the idea was when i looked in gofundme.com people were raising 5000 10000 for the funeral expenses 60 to 70% of the americans will go bankrupt within a 3 months after losing their breadwinner so that was an interesting stat for me is like okay uh, there is a whole insurance industry which is spending billions of dollar in advertising acquisition why not democratize this one of the very small coverage like $10000 life insurance no cost or free to the masses i would say and that's what gave me a sort of a, an idea that how would you build a business around it and that was our first product where we democratized i would say $10000 no cost insurance benefits to the masses so that was sort of my journey so as you can see the one thing which i truly believe in is you cannot control the place where you're born the parents you choose it that's completely outside your control but there are a lot of things which is completely in your control and that's the fate the fate is how do you want to shape up your life so even though i was born in an environment where the basic necessities were completely missing like i quickly realized that a lot of things which is in my control which i could mold i could change it and i could shape it up the way i wanted and that belief helped me to push me out of this whole situation of where i was born where i was born and brought up so as always tell you that there's a whole uncanny path i have taken in my life yeah but it's great to hear that you had taken your experience and made it as best as possible for your best case scenario instead of like kind of wallowing someone like you had come from such a place that maybe would not that it wouldn't encourage you but it's not the right environment to foster these amazing things that you want to create but then again you still were able to take the best case scenario right encouraging yourself to read like to learn to do all these things even though you couldn't go to proper schooling and now you're able to create all these things and right build a company it's pretty incredible no i think there is a lot of people who have helped me in this journey so it's not a an individual team effort uh, it's a lot of individual effort i think i won't credit myself over here there are a lot of people of course my mom is one of them but during this journey there are a lot of people who are my peers my managers my superiors even the company where i worked the founders you know so i think everyone has helped me i think that is the most critical part of success as an alone individual i cannot do this you know so this is because of the collective effort of all these people i'm sort of living a good life right now <laughs> yeah Do you have anything else that you can kind of pinpoint as the reason to why you had success, right? For those listening who feel like they're kind of in that place of like life is against me, right? The cards are stacked against me. I don't have the support. Is there anything else that you would accredit your success to? Yeah, I think there are four uh, important things which I always believe in and I call this an epic framework which is EPIC epic and E stands for energy, P stands for passion, I stands for information. and C stands for compassionate energy is of course you need to make sure you bring in all your positive energy which is the most important thing that means you cannot be negative you just have to be very optimistic you just have to be positive that there is light at the end of the tunnel that positive approach that positive thinking will help you to cut through any walls you know so that is the most important thing is having a good energy The next one is passion. I think regardless of what it is, you need to have a passion. It's an invisible energy, but a lot of people are very passionate about certain things in their life. So you you really need to make sure that you're passionate of something because if you're not passionate then this life is worthless, you know. The passion doesn't mean that you have to be an entrepreneur. The passion could be anything, right? Passion could be hey, bringing up my kids. Passion could be taking care of my pets. You know, passion could be singing, passion could be dancing, could be anything. 
you really need to have a, a something to, I would say, latch upon. And that is what passion sort of helps you to do that. Third is information. Information means, I think we live in an era, in a digital era, where there is so much information to learn. Information indirectly makes you a very curious being. What I meant is, if you're curious, you can unearth or discover a lot of information to satisfy your appetite. That means information and curiosity goes hand in hand. The more curious you are, you will strive to gain more information. And that information means could be reading, could be writing, could be anything. Right? There is so much information around us. You need to make sure that you need to be curious so that you can access the information. And once you access the information, that elevates your thinking, that elevates your, your perspective also, and that recalibrates your creativity. The final part is the compassionate. I think that is super critical because, as I told you, in my case, the success I always attributed to people around me. But compassionate also means that just being nice to people, just being kind to people, you know, uh, trying to help them in any form or capacity, it doesn't mean the financial help. Even today, some of like the entrepreneurs who are just starting up, they always reach out to me and say, that, hey, can I get 30 minutes of your time? And I am always say, yes, I will give you 30 minutes of my time, you know. And in 30 minutes, I try to share all my experience I have gone through. That is one form of compassion, you know, just helping people in any form or capacity. And of course, respecting and treating everyone at the same level. So that is, again, a very critical part of it. So these are the four things which I sort of believe in, which is energy, passion, information, and compassion. I believe that it's an equation for success, it's an equation for luck. It depends upon which parameter you want to dial up and down. But as long as you create a right mix of these four attributes, uh, I, I think you can achieve anything in the life. I really like that. It's a nice, like you said, formula for luck because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I wish I was luckier or I could attain those things. But I think, like you had said, those four components are really, really critical for success in business, but also just success and fulfillment in life, quite frankly. No, I, I agree with you, right? I think those four variables go hand in hand. Uh, it applies to both personal and professional life also. You can still be doing well in professional life, but you'll be miserable in your personal life, right? Or vice versa. So, <laughs> so it applies both ways. Yeah. Well, so speaking on like being miserable in the workplace or in the personal life. So what I've seen this past year is this mass exodus of people leaving the workforce, but then obviously being nervous about benefits and all these things, which is something that Avibra and you kind of you know focus on. So like with everything that's happened, like what do you think the future of work benefits looks like for these freelancers, gig workers, entrepreneurs who aren't getting benefits from traditional jobs? No, great question. So it's a very uh, interesting journey as they look the whole benefit world, right? Before even looking at the benefit world, I think what is impacting is on how the whole workforce is adopting and reshaping itself to align with the new era. And one of the interesting stats, I was just speaking with the team also, is 100 years ago, we used to work like 60 to 65 hours a week. You know, It was one job. And pretty much people used to work 60 to 65 hours a week, which was Monday to Saturday and Sunday was the only day off. But imagine giving 10 to 12 hours a day. And I think it's in 1930s or 40s when the Ford, the whole car manufacturing came in, the number of work hours got reduced, which is 40 hours. As you can see, what's happening is there is a very strong correlation I have seen between the workforce dynamic and the technology there is an inflection point on the technology. So what I meant is, if you look at the 100 years, the technology has evolved, 
And you can see the impact of that on the workforce side. And in last, I would say, 20, 30 years, you would observe that the technology impact has been big on the entire workforce, which has created not only new, I would say, roles or new work category, but it has also empowered the people. 100 years ago, the destiny of your work is decided by the employer. But what is happening is that that whole shift is changing in the hands of, I won't call it as an employee right now, but in the hands of the owner. Like if you if you recategorize, right, in the new modern world, to me, the employer-employee concept should not exist. It should be more of a value provider, value consumer, and value orchestrator. So what does it mean? A value provider means could be employee in this case, you know, providing their value and their service. And value consumer is the actual consumer, right? Anything we do work, there is ultimately a goods and services that is being produced and it's being consumed by the consumer. So that's the value consumer angle, which will never change, which will always remain the same. But the whole value provider and value orchestrator, value orchestrator can apply the employer in the olden days. But in today's world, I I tend to apply the value orchestrators are basically platform providers like Uber, Lyft, you know, and value providers are basically the gig workers, the freelancers, you know, the part-time workers who, and if you see the difference in that world is the value providers are becoming super strong. Like they are sort of working on their own terms. They demand a flexibility in their work schedule. So it kind of creates a very balanced life. If you see the shift, which is happening right now, where the freelancers, the gig, the part-time workers are demanding their own sort of, I would say, approach on how the work should be rendered or how service should be rendered, the benefits is the biggest piece over there. Because what used to happen in the past, employer used to provide benefits, right? Now, benefits was used as a tool for retention and loyalty of the employees so that they stick around with the employer for a long time. But in today's world, that is not the case. And the other challenge with the benefits is most of the benefits that were designed were designed for, I would say, the old framework, not for the newer modern age workforce. So that means there has to be a very fundamental redesign of the entire benefits also and how it has to be catered to this new modern day workforce area. And that's where Avibra comes in. One of the beauty of Avibra is First of all, we were the first one to offer what we call as a no-cost benefits, you know, which is you come into our platform, we offer 15,000 no-cost insurance along with a, a well-being advisor, which is meant to educate and improve your financial, physical, career, and social well-being. So that's our one of the key value prop, which is completely freemium. The second value prop, which we created, is a dollar benefit store, where what we have done is we have manufactured all the benefits for $1 a week, which is affordable, which is accessible, and it's portable also. So what it means is either the benefits can be sponsored by the employer or by your service provider, or you can self-sponsor it and you can take it from there. So I think we are taking a completely new approach in terms of the benefits, and it very well aligns with this whole new modern-day workforce. Yeah. And I love how it's not only affordable, but it seems really flexible. I always found in corporate, it was like, it was very stressful doing with insurance, even though they were the ones who were like vetting it and they provided the plans. Like you'd have to choose between like 
if it was in network or out of network and you can only change it during this time or if you had a life moment or like all this stuff. And it was just like, I, I didn't understand it. And then also like, if things change, like I don't actually know what I needed. Whereas this, like you can kind of pick and choose what you want. And of course, for the person who's a freelancer and doesn't make hundred K a year as a salaried employee, like they could be flexible as needed based on their needs, right? Business fluctuates, things happen. Maybe you get sick, like you don't make as much money or maybe you do make more. And now you can, you know, up the ante and pay a little bit more through Vibra. I completely agree with you. I think that's what the whole vision is, basically, is how do you democratize benefits to the masses? And we also strongly believe that in the new world order, benefits won't come from employer. It will come from the what we call that entity, which is a service orchestrator, right? Or a platform provider, which could be Uber, Lyft, could be DoorDash, could be Instacart. You know, this have become a modern day service provider. And what it means is they will have to start offering benefits to their cohorts. I think we also see a world where benefits could also come from your everyday banking, right? Like you tend to transact every day with your local banking provider. Why not they start offering the benefits to you? You know, if you're a very loyal customer of Macy's, so where you tend to shop around or JCPenney, for, uh, that's where you tend to do all your shopping. Even they could be a benefit provider. Very different perspective, right? on how we were trying to make sure that the benefits can come from different parts of the uh, ecosystem. But we strongly believe that in the new world order, the employer offering benefits will start sort of spreading across to the other entities. You know, it, it doesn't have to be employed. Yeah, which I think it's good to change up the system because as we've seen, obviously like insurance is becoming so expensive and even the people who are doing it right by being with the employer and getting those benefits in a lot of ways, they're still getting kind of screwed because you go to one doctor and they're like, okay, it's going to be this amount. Can't really communicate with the insurance provider. No one actually knows the price. And then all of a sudden you go to pay and it's like all this money. And you're like, I thought I was paying, like there's supposed to be benefits, right? This that, That's what I call it. Like the insurance is supposed to benefit me. And yet I feel like, I'm paying more than if I were to just pay out of pocket or something. And then of course, like there's confusion around it. So I just, I love the framework that you're taking on that it's so unique and also accessible, but also changing the way in which we do things because a lot of things are failing in in the world right now and insurance is definitely one of them. Yeah, and I, I think I agree with you. There is a lot of work that needs to be done because insurance is such a highly complicated product. It's not designed in a way that it's very easy to, consume and digest, right? Because as you must have imagined, going through a health insurance document, there are a lot of footnotes over there. It's very hard to even understand, right? What benefits do we get? So we do agree that there is a lot of work that needs to be done on that front, which is how do you simplify it? And I think that's where the whole dollar benefit store on how we have done it, it's very easy to understand because it's a what we call as a bite-sized benefit, you know? And what we have also done is we've taken a the entire healthcare, which includes insurance and non-insurance, and we have tried to break it down into a very small bite-sized benefit. So it's very easy to consume. It's very easy to understand. And that could be your first entry point towards benefits before you buy the bigger health insurance. You know, Some of the benefits we have are like dental, vision, telemedicine, teletherapy. So instead of bundling everything in a one gigantic product, we have broken down into a very small size benefit. And so it's in a way people exactly know what they're buying what benefits they get, you know, what are the exclusion criteria and those products. So that I think that's one way to simplify it. But I, I truly sort of agree that we're just, I think, scratching the surface of it. There is a lot of work that needs to be done to further simplify the value of the product. Yeah. 
I love that also you could pick and choose, like really get granular about what you need. Cause like, for example, like I wear reading glasses, but I don't necessarily need the full vision coverage of like going to an ophthalmologist, like however often you would if you had poor vision or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe you have prescription glasses or contacts or you're getting LASIK or I'm not really sure. And even dentistry, right? Maybe you want to be getting braces or something as opposed to just cleanings. But I'm wondering for people who are thinking about leaving corporate or they just left, like how can they actually start this process, right? They've quit and they're like, okay, great. Like feeling good. Like how do I actually get started with transferring over my insurance or starting new again? Yeah, Gabby, I think the first thing with my advice is I have gone through that process before uh, spinning up my own startup. I quit my high-flying career. So one of the things which I always advise people is to create what I call as some sort of a risk profile, you know? which includes, okay, most of the times, employer tends to give benefits where you may not see the value for it, right? For example, if if employer gives you life insurance, but you are at early 20s, you don't have any dependency, you're not married, you don't have any big mortgage, you may not see a value of that benefit, but it's still good to have. It's still given by employer, but given a choice, you may choose some other benefits, you know? So one is create a, a 360-degree, I would say, risk profile of what are the risks you may have in the life, which is, do you have mortgage? Do you have dependent? You know, Do you have kids? You know, I think once you create this kind of a risk profile, then it will allow you to create what kind of a products do we need to buy? Like, how do you mitigate the risk? And that's where the insurance products comes in, right? If you have a kid and your kids, like as a young person, you may not fall sick that often, but kids do fall sick every other week. I have a four-year-old, so you can ask me about that. So definitely you do need to have insurance, right? Health insurance is absolutely required. That is critical. So as you can see, once you create a risk profile, how do you mitigate this risk? The one way to mitigate this risk is buy this product. The second is, okay, I uh, breadwinner for my family. I own a home. I have a mortgage. If something happens, then I want to make sure my daughter is secured and safe. That means how do I mitigate that risk? The second way to mitigate that risk is, of course, I need to buy a life insurance. You know, This is how I would tell people that create a risk profile, identify all the risks you have in your life. The third risk could be, okay, what if I lose a job or what if I become a disabled or if I get in a road accident or something happens to me? How will I manage my life or my family, right? So in that case, of course, the disability insurance comes in. So as you can see, every risk, there is an insurance product to mitigate that risk. The whole purpose of insurance is to make you whole, but most of the products will not make you like 100% whole, but at least they'll mitigate the risk to a certain extent that you don't have to worry about it. So this would be the first exercise I would strongly encourage anyone to do that. Once you have a good understanding of all your risk and your products, then you can definitely go out in the market. Avivra do sell all these products, not all of them, but there are certain products which we sell and there are certain products which we are happy to sort of consult in. But our, our vision is in future, we would have something like this where we would allow you to create a, a full risk profile and we will suggest you products which will uh, be beneficial at that stage of your journey or your life, you know? Yeah. And I love that it's very timely with everything that's happening right now with the gig economy. Like you beat the trend essentially. <laughs> No, I, I kind of agree with you, right? I think one of the interesting thing about what Gig has created is, I think it has opened up a completely new world and not many, I would say, companies are prepared for it, right? No one has expected that this will happen. And I think the whole pandemic has further accelerated 
this uh, workforce transformation. I'm also optimistic that there will be new companies that will be emerging. Of course, Avibra will be one of the leader in that category, but there will be a lot of new companies that are emerging, which are very focused around this kind of a category, which we are already witnessing. And not only just the gig, right? There's a whole creator economy. I don't know if you follow that, but which is a creator, it's a social media influencers. There is a whole uh, big, uh, I would say, workforce in that category. So as you can see, uh, the goal of both the category is Everyone wants to control, everyone wants to control on how they do their work, you know, and how they manage their life and how do they create a balance between work and life. Yeah. I've been starting to talk with a couple of people who've been in the like gig economy space where they're either like coming up with like financing tools for freelancers and like actually getting loans or like things like that. And it's really cool to see how innovative things are becoming for the individual as opposed to just the employer. So I think we're in a, we're in a really interesting time right now, to put it lightly. That's an interesting part, right? I think there's a whole reset in the entire industry. Like you probably interesting talking about financing. If you are a freelancer, it's very hard to get a loan. It's very hard to get a mortgage. You know, It doesn't mean that these are bad risks. The companies are not equipped enough to underwrite such persona where the work is not nine to five or fixed with just one employer. You know? So that's why what I meant is there is a whole reset and there is a whole new category which will come up which will serve to this new workforce. And I think the financing is an interesting part of it, right? Yeah. I'm really curious to see how that pans out. But I think with just the volume of people doing it, the banking institutions and other institutions aren't going to have a choice, but to have to adapt a bit, just like insurance. (laughs) But I'm wondering, so I know we're talking about insurance and stuff and, and business and all that, but I'm wondering... Do you have any secrets for success? Like I know we talked about the, you know, the epic, that mindset and kind of those factors, but do you have anything else that you can offer to my listeners that helped in your success journey? Yeah, I think the epic is one, I would sort of reiterate that same thing. The other is in an entrepreneurship, which is I kind of always say it's a very hard sort of journey. It's like, it's not my quote, it's uh, someone else have said this, which is chewing glasses and tasting your own blood, you know? Ooh. <laughs> it's a little rough. So it is. Uh, so it's kind of a very hard journey. What I meant is that as long as you're passionate and as long as uh, you have that will to cross any walls and sort of be very hyper focused, be very uh, sort of stubborn in terms of what you want to achieve, but also make sure. I think one of the things interesting about the success is you need to have a vision of what you want to achieve, whether it's professional or personal life. That vision is super important. Either you want to become a doctor, you want to become an engineer, or you want to become an entrepreneur, or you want to become a freelancer, one of the top one or two person freelancers. You know, Let's say if you have that kind of a vision, you need to be stubborn with your vision, but be flexible with your details on how you achieve it. So what it means is there is a lot of lessons that needs to be learned and you need to constantly be recalibrating your path to achieve that vision. So you need to be really flexible in terms of the details, but very stubborn with the vision on how you want to achieve it. So that is the, I would say, an important part because as long as your vision stays true, the mechanics on how you would achieve that vision, and you need to be super flexible, you need to be very open to learning. When I say open to learning means there is a lot of learnings that will come as part of your journey. You need to adapt to that new information and constantly recalibrating your own compass on how you want to get to that vision. As long as you sort of follow this sort of a high-level principle, 
I'm pretty sure you can achieve any kind of success, whether it's personal or professional life. I know success is always about business and professional life, but I, I believe that the same thing applies to personal life also, whether it's bringing up your kids, you know, or taking care of your parents. Whatever you have a goal in life, you just need to make sure that you're fixated to that goal with an understanding that you can, you alone cannot do that. You will need a support of other people, but also be flexible in terms of changing your mechanics on how you want to achieve it. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because I speak to a lot of people who are like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a freelancer. Right? I want to quit the nine to five, but then they kind of list off these things. Well, I need to have this amount in savings. Well, it needs to look like this, or I need to be prepared, or I need, and it's kind of like, we expect and we have these like ideas of what it needs to look like without actually being under the guise of like, well, maybe it's not supposed to look like that. Maybe you have to go through a different journey to get to where you need to be. So you need to be open to the idea that it's not going to be perfect and just go ahead as is right now because the pull internally is so strong. It reminds me of my own journey, right? When I left my corporate job for the first two years after I left, it took me just two years to get this business off the ground, you know, because of the regulatory sort of a framework and there are a lot of moving pieces to this business model. And the way I calculated my risk was, okay, for one year, I'll use my savings. I didn't draw any salary for the first two years. So I was like, okay, this is my risk. Is this, okay, I'll dip my savings. I will use my savings to run my sort of uh, day-to-day life. I, and at that time, I had my first bond. So I have a house to run. But that one year went to two years. So pretty much I tapped all my savings. So that was the amount of risk I've taken. One of the advices, no matter how much planning you do, the reality check is that doesn't work, you know. So you need to make sure that there is a lot of unknown, which is bound to happen. And the single most biggest preparation you can do is just be willing to face it as it happens so that you won't have that much of, I would say, disappointment. Because sometimes when you plan things and if it doesn't happen, that's when you tend to give up. But if you go with the expectation that, okay, 50% plan, 50% is unknown, and I'm, I'm ready to face the unknown. I'm ready to get into the unknown or uncharted territory and see what's there out and accordingly face it. I think if you go with that mental uh, sort of attitude, uh, you'll be more successful given that you're giving up your corporate nine to five job. Yeah. Plus it becomes more fun. Like it's fun stress as opposed to like, corporate work stress, which is usually like BS. Like we're not really doing anything. <laughs> it's like it's like silly stress of like, oh, I can't find the person to like link up with on the calendar. We can't find a meeting time. Whereas this is like, how do I change the world? Like it's a lot funner, I will say. Yeah, I won't use the word stress because if what I've seen in my case personally is if I'm more stressed then it hampers my way of thinking, I would say fear. It's good to have fear. These are two distinct things because most of the times when you take this uncharted territory in terms of like quitting your corporate job and doing freelancing example or doing anything right in your life, there is an element of fear, which is good to have because you need to have a fear. If you don't have a fear, then it won't get the best out of you. It can create a slight amount of stress, but I think that's where you need to make sure that if you're overstressed, it will hamper your decision-making process because whatever decision or outcome you're looking for, Most of the times what happens is in order to arrive at a decision, any outcome is a vector of a sum of all your decision-making or decision you have done. And there could be 10 decision points you would have taken to arrive at an outcome. But the last two or three decision point is what influences the most to that outcome. 
So by the time you reach to that last two or three, if you're overstressed, then your short shot will take a very bad decision. Because initially you're not stressed. Let's say you have a 10 decision points. You're not stressed out and you took your first two with that low level of stress. But by the time you reach the last two or three, which is the important thing, because the last two or three is influences the most in terms of the outcome, then uh, you're going to have a lot of trouble. I think that's where I've learned is, so it doesn't mean that I'm not in a stress, but my stress level is a bit low. I, I think I make sure that by the time I reach to that seventh, eighth, or ninth decision-making points, I don't need to be overstressed because I know that at that point, I need to make an important decision, which will have a very significant impact on the outcome. So I'm wondering, one of the things that I'd like to do with every single episode to like wrap things up is I just like to give one final gold nugget to my audience and ask every guest, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Yeah, I should have maybe started the entrepreneurship journey much earlier. Uh, So that would have been advice to my younger self. Definitely there is a plus and minus at a certain age when you start. If you're a freelancer or one of the advantages it gives you more room to fail, more room to experiment. At the later age of your life, there is not much sort of a room for you to experiment. So that's, I think that's, that's one advice I would, I would sort of give is if people have any passion or if they want to do something on their own, they should explore that at a much earlier phase of their life. Of course, that doesn't mean that right out of the school. What I would say is once you have enough experience, five to 10 years, and then sort of uh, explore this journey. So that would be my, it's, it's always a fun thing freelancing, doing something of your own, because chances are very high that it will give you more room for errors. And uh, the more room you have for errors, the chances of you being successful is very high. Yeah. Plus it's more fun when you bet on yourself and kind of play by your own rules as opposed to someone else. That's right. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. I hope it inspires and helps my audience not only take action and maybe quitting their jobs, but obviously getting insured and taking care of themselves from a health perspective or just life expectancy. And where can people find you, right? If they want to sign up for the insurance, if they want to get in touch with you or anything like that. Yeah. uh, Avibra is available in the app store, both Google Play as well as Apple app stores. You can download the app and uh, you can start earning the no-cost benefits as well as you can unlock the whole dollar benefit store. You can always reach out to me on LinkedIn, but I'm always sort of helping uh, the customers, which is hello at ovibra.com, which is our support ticket. You can always reach out to me over there, uh, always helping out the customers uh, in, uh, in handling their issues. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Great. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you so much uh, for the privilege and the opportunity. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.